Amen. Again, everybody, hi, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. I'm really glad that you're here with us today. So, hey, kids, did you guys, we got your bags. Those of you, kids, families, adults, uh, did you, did you get your, your fourth week Advent bag? Here it is. So go ahead and grab it if you've got it. And um, you may have already opened it and looked at the, at the devotional. This is about searching. That's what that is about and all the scriptures. And then we've got a gift in there. So let's open our gift, okay? Let's open our, is this just not, were these not just a great idea? This is so cool. All right. So I got our gift. I probably should have gotten it started here. Oh, that's easy. Okay. Are you opening your gift? All right. Ah, I spy puzzles. Did you see those? There are four I spy. Look at, I'm probably not supposed to do this. I spy puzzles. So this is the thing where like, and those of you that are my age, remember going to the dentist and going to the highlights magazine and then finding the eye, like the, the hidden subjects that were in the thing. So well, there's a whole lot more, there's a whole lot more, there's some clues there that you guys, so now kids, you can get on there and start circling the things that you see, and you can work on that during my sermon, okay? Just not, if you're over 30, say no, you can't. Listen to the sermon. All right, that's awesome. So there's some good stuff to, 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 uh, to go search for, to go look and to go search. It's funny, there's a pile of money in the first one that I saw on this Christmas one. There's like a pile of money. That's a cool Christmas present. So, um, yeah, so we're talking about searching. That's, in fact, uh, what this week is all about. We've been t- we talked about longing for the gift. We talk about the dawning of the gift. And now we're going to talk about searching for the gift. Um, this idea of searching, I mean, you, you know what, what searching is about, right? I mean, we've got uh, my, my best uh, illustration of searching right now, of just going after something, is, uh, is my grand puppy. Like I don't have any grandbabies yet, but I got two grand puppies. And, uh, and one of them, Walker Girl, she is a black lab and she's the kind of like, she's got a ball always in her mouth and then she drops that ball at your feet and then you throw it and it happens 24 seven, right? Like, look at that picture. Is that just incredible? Is that just warm your heart? Like that's all you need to know about her and her ball and labs. Like, like labs and Italians, they're like the biggest hearted creatures on God's earth, okay? So that picture right there, it says it all. So if you throw the ball for Walker Girl and like you fake her out and go throw it the other way, like, and then she has to go find the ball, she will relentlessly search for that ball for hours. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody have a lab or a dog like that who is like, I am, yeah, I see a hand raised. Claudia, you guys have that lab? Like all in, okay? Hey, Kat Dirks, did you guys, oh, I thought you had a dog handy. There you go. Look at that. Hi. Hi, little puppy. Uh, it's, we have families, we have uh, singles, we have old people, and uh, we have dogs in our church. So on Zoom, welcome. So that searching thing, that is, that dog will be all about it, will be relentless in its search, will, will never give up the hunt. And that's the idea of searching. We know searching from the word searches, you know, those uh, puzzles that you have with all the the words in there, you got to go look for a, a list of words that looks like some sort of a CIA code or something like that. Uh, that yeah, there you go. Those, those things like in quick, quick, read the secret message in the code. 
No, there isn't one. So we know those from word searching. We also know searching from Where's Waldo. My kids grew up on Where's Waldo. You know that whole deal. Like, and I, I even searched in this picture. I couldn't even find Waldo. This is like an Italian version, actually. I got this from a Roman newspaper. Uh, that's an Italian version of Where's Waldo. By the way, if you felt just a little COVIDly uncomfortable about that Where's Waldo uh, collage, we got this one for you. Little, makes it a little easier, a little distance. I don't know why I think that's funny. It's just so sadly funny. Okay, so, but we're talking about searching. We've talked about, again, longing and dawning of the gift. And now we want to talk about searching for the gift. And with the wise men in the story of, uh, of them coming to visit Jesus, this is my title today. It's about wise searching. We're searching for the gift. And I want, to, I want you to look with me at the text in Matthew chapter two. I have a couple of verses on the screen, but I'd love to have you have your Bible out so that you can see Matthew chapter two. This is the story of the Magi or the wise men. And this is the only place, Matthew is the only gospel that records the Magi coming. And so let's look at this story together. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was, dis- when, her- when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. He had called together, when he, call- when he had called together all the people's chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. So he was disturbed that somebody had said that there was a new king that was born. And so he called the, them all together and said, what's the deal? What, where's the Messiah supposed to be born? Verse five, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for that is what the prophet has written. For you, Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means among the rulers of Judah, uh, least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. And of course, we know that's not what he wanted to do. He wanted to take out any of his rivals. Verse nine, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their presents, treasures, and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Wasn't it fun to kind of read that story again in its total and see what that is all about? This story about the Magi, it's odd. When you have your little crash, you have your little manger scene in your house and you look and you see the, all the people and who they are. You got shepherds, you got kings and you got Magi and you got wise men and you're like, who are they? Or who are the people all involved in this thing? It, it, this is the Magi that are spoken about in Matthew. And Matthew actually doesn't even talk about the shepherds. And Luke doesn't talk about the, uh, the Magi. And so we're putting these stories together. So who are the Magi? What's that about? Before we get into a little bit what we learn from them about searching, about wise searching. Who are these wise men? We don't really know. There's actually quite a mystery about who they are. They could have been from Babylon or Persia or Arabia. We don't know exactly. But we do know that the earliest Magi 
like when they first started, when we first start seeing them in historical writings about seven centuries before Christ, they were these wise men who were learned. They were astronomy experts, astrology, astronomy, same thing back then. And so they sought the stars for signs about the earth and about the kingdoms of the world. And, uh, and they had all these traditions and, and things that they were believing about all of that. But they, were, uh, they had great knowledge of agricultural, agriculture and, and mathematics and history. And they became some of the most influential advisors in that part of the world. And so we know that if you were to become a king in one of the realms in Persia or in that area um, in Mesopotamia, if you wanted to be a king, you had to master the teachings of these wise men, of these magi, and uh, then they, and you had to be crowned by them. So they were king makers is what they were. They weren't kings, they were king makers, which being king makers, that's why Herod didn't love it when they showed up looking for the one born the king of the Jews, because he was a paranoid, evil king of the Jews. So they weren't kings, contrary to the songs, week three kings of Ori. They weren't kings, but they were king makers. They also weren't three of them for that matter. They brought three gifts. And so people assume that maybe there were three. There could have been many, many more. In fact, they probably came if they were these noble uh, men from the East. They probably came with horses and armies and, and security detail and, and, uh, and, and blacked out suburbans and armored vehicles and all the things. They probably came across the desert with all of that. And... Um, so we don't know how many there were. They also weren't Jewish. And that might be Matthew's point in bringing it up as he was making this point, as he was sharing the story that with limited knowledge, even with, um, with uh, uh, myth and with lore, they were hungry to see the Messiah. Contrast that to the powerful and the religious in, in, uh, in Jerusalem who were resistant to Jesus and to the, the Messiah coming. No, and they weren't also, they weren't on the inside. They were way out. And the shepherds too, the shepherds were on the outside of those uh, religious establishments. So when you think about who this is and what this story is, the Magi were people who had limited knowledge. They were uh, of non-Jewish religion. They were worshiping the stars and getting their information there. And they still somehow had information that Jesus was something special and they came across the desert to go find him. That's who they were. And they brought those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Probably not a lot of symbolism in those gifts, except that they were expensive and they brought them to the new king. So why did God use these men? Uh, and why, why did Matthew include this story? And for us today, the question, what does searching look like? What does wise searching look like? And so let me give you three, three questions, three kind of points about wise searching. One, wise searching requires a clear choice to go after the light. Wise searching requires a clear choice to go out. That's what it is. It's, it's them choosing to go after the light. Verse two says, they said when they reported, when they got to Jerusalem, we saw his star when it rose. So we came to worship him. We saw a star, so we had to come. We had to come worship him. Somehow they had this insight around uh, who Jesus was and what this meant, that the king of the Jews was gonna be born. That is a bizarre concept. We don't, we don't really know why it is that they had this insight. It could be, by the way, that they were from the 
either from the region or near the region in Babylon where the Jewish people had been in exile for so long. And so they knew the Jewish scriptures as part of all of the spiritual climate in their area. And somehow they mixed that together with this idea that there was going to be a star dictating the coming. And it could be that God himself just blasted them with some information supernaturally. But somehow they had this insight that the king of the Jews was going to be born. And can you imagine them sitting around their tables of discussion and learning? And they had this idea that when a star rose in the east at a certain time in a certain way, that there was going to be, that that was going to say that the king was born. And when they saw it and they said, is this the star? And they debated about it and all that kind of stuff. What did they do at that point? Did they be like, oh, well, that's fascinating. Or, oh, gosh, that's weird. No, no, they looked at each other and they went, we gotta go. We, we gotta go see what this is about. We gotta go check this out. They go, well, let's go. We gotta get all our horses. We gotta get all our supplies. We gotta get all our people. We gotta get all our frankincense. Where's the, go to the Murd store and get some stuff and let's go because God's up to something. Searching requires a clear choice that we go after the light when it begins to dawn. We don't just go, oh, that's, that's kind of interesting. And they went up and they went uh, after Jesus. They said, we got to go. That's like me rushing the gates of the A's game when they were in the World Series when I was 13. I've told you that story. Like, I, I got to go. The A's are in the World Series. I got to be there. This is like my kids when Justin Bieber came to town. They're like, oh, Whatever. Whatever it takes, I'm, I got to be there. By the way, they got to touch Justin Bieber. Just touch him. They touched Justin Bieber. But they got to go. They got to be near it. You see, the light is dawning and we're getting a glimpse and we're getting an inkling. There's some clues that God is on the move. When that happens, friends, to spiritually hungry people, we get up and we go, I got to go. I got to go see what this is about. Even if it's a long journey, we got to go. Even if we're thought foolish, we got to go get near it. Even if we know we're not worthy, we're not insiders, we're not part of the whole religious thing, we go, I got, we got to go. So many of your stories, I'm looking on the gallery view, I see you and I see your faces and I know your stories. So many of your stories where, where you're like, I'm not worthy, I didn't grow up religious, I know nothing. But as the light began to dawn, as you began to get to know Jesus, you're like, I got to go. I got to go after this. It's like the crowds who gathered around Jesus who just said, we got to be near him. It's like Joshua who said to the Israelites when they crossed over into the land, he goes, hey, I don't know about you, but I'm going to leave everything behind way back when we lived over by the Euphrates. And when we crossed, before we crossed over the Jordan, I'm leaving everything behind. And I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, I got to go. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm all about this. Friends, this is you. This is you when you know, when you know that there's more to life, where something is happening in your life, in your heart, in your instinct, in your spirit. There more is happening than meets the eye and you become desperate for Jesus to be real. You become desperate for God to show up in your life and you go, that's it, I gotta go toward the light. We claim to be spiritual people. Our culture claims to be spiritually uh, people who say, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. We claim to be even spiritually hungry people, seekers, open-minded. So what do we do with this light that is beginning to dawn? Well, like these guys, these magi, we got to go. Do you pursue Jesus? Do you search for him in quietness and contemplation and prayer and the word of God and, 
and, and community and worship uh, and, and asking God to reveal himself to you. Do you go after the light? Wise searching requires a clear choice. Okay, here I go. I'm gonna go after it. That's what the Magi did. The second thing we see in their story is that wise searching requires eyes to see God's miraculous intervention and leading. God's miraculous intervention and leading. Searching goes, wait a minute, God's in this thing. You see, as, as the Magi were on their journey, they have the wisdom to recognize, oh gosh, look at that. That's the star or that's a star or that's a weird thing happening in the sky. Like this is a God thing. There's something going on here. Both verse two and verse 10 have them say, verse two says, when we saw the star, right? When we saw this sign, we knew there was, it was a God thing. So we had to go. Verse 10 talks about when they saw the star that had already gone ahead of them, they were overjoyed. When they saw it again, when it camped over the house where, where Jesus was, they go, they go, they were overjoyed, they said. You see, they knew that God was up to something when they saw this star. They had eyes to see that something uh, miraculous was happening, that some, some God story was unfolding. I think we have a lot to learn about this. See, these were signs that they saw that made, the, they were aware of these signs that God was supernaturally involved. Oh, this is a God thing. When we look at our stories, our lives, our circumstances, we see a lot of things that are good and bad and stuff that's beyond our comprehension. But, but do we see the leading of God in it? The intervention of God in it? Do we see God talking to us about it? Do we see God being in the midst of it? Not that he caused every single thing because there's a whole bunch of freedom in the world that brings about evil that God didn't cause or intend, but do we see that he's in it, that our lives are God things, that the things that happen to us are God things? Do we look at our life and do we see him in the midst of it? So I think if we see bad things in our life, we think, wow, life stinks and God's not real. And where is he? And if he's really, certainly not for me, he's not good. Instead of realizing, oh, there's a spiritual reality to all of this, including evil in the world. And God can and will meet us in the middle of it. Oh, this is a God thing. This thing that's happened. This is a God thing. And he's going to meet me in the midst of it. Or we look at our lives and we see the good things and we wonder, oh gosh, all right, how can I preserve this? How can I make this happen again for me? How can I have more of that? How can I, how can I save that? How can I preserve it? How, how can I get more of it? How can I control the blessing? Instead of thanking God for his abundance and asking him, how do I serve you? This is a God thing. What do I do with this? This good thing in my life. This is a good thing. And what do I do with it for you, God? Or we see something odd or coincidental and we shrug and we agnostically give it about three and a half seconds and go, well, that's weird. Um, and then we go back to our candy crush as opposed to pausing and going, wait a minute, is this God in the midst of my life? Is there something in here for me? Is there a revelation? Is there a leading? Is there, this is a God thing, this moment, this odd thing. Do we have eyes to see friends? God's miraculous intervention and his leading. Here's, just, here's a small illustration and a, and a silly one. I was looking for information on Magi and studying it at my desk. And I just dug so far. I've went down the rabbit hole of who the Magi are and could be and were and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh gosh. And then I started getting lost into ancient Babylon and Persia and, Me and the Medes and the, 
and Mesopotamia, what's where and all that and the history. And I was like, okay, all right. So where was the Persian empire and when? Because most people think that the Magi were Persian. And I'm like, uh, how do I got to look this up again? Don't I have a master's degree in this stuff. But of course I haven't thought about the Magi or the Persians in like 30 years. So I'm going to go look at this up. And I was kind of tired about the whole thing. And I pulled down this resource off my desk and I looked and checked and I opened this giant book, this giant resource of mine. And it's, uh, it was 2,530 pages. I know because I checked and I just set it down on my desk and it flopped open and the open page was a map and the title of the map was, wait for it, the Persian Empire. Now, look it. I, I don't know what you'd do with that if you like, you go, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Silly? Friends, what's silly? What's silly about in that moment recognizing that God's like, I got you. I see you. I love you. I'm with you in this sermon prep. I love this message that you're developing. I love the fact that people are going to get to hear the word. I love the Persian empire and always have, and I want to teach you about it. And so you can remember what it's all about. Like what's silly about God showing up in that way? You go, well, because it's a weird coincidence. You know what? But if you have that coincidence and then you get two more and then you got five more and then you got a hundred more and then you got 30 years, do you, do church, can we have eyes to see Whoa, this is a God thing. He's in the midst of it. Wise searching requires us to open our eyes and go, oh, there's God's in this thing. Well, that's a silly one. Here's a more significant one. Last week I was having a quiet time. I'm reading in the scriptures and this friend of mine comes to mind. I couldn't shake his, his, the, the memory of him, the thought of him. And I'm reading the scripture and I'm like, what Lord, is there something in this for him? Or, or what, you know, what's this about? And so of course, with nothing to lose, I texted him the scripture And this was his response. This is his text back. Wow, this is wild. I was thinking about you this very moment. So cool that God put me on your heart. My wife and I are not doing well at all. And I am in great need of support and guidance. And he went on to detail some of their struggles. Come on now, church. Come on, somebody give me a little amen in the chat. Somebody wave your hand like, amen. There's a God, there's a... This is God, well, there's a God thing in that. Do we have eyes to see his intervention and his leading? You see, we need eyes to see that he's around us. He's working through us. He's present with us. He's speaking through his word. He's sending messages. He's communicating with words and feelings. He's with us in every circumstance and he has a plan in it for you. And if we're gonna be searchers, wise searchers, we have to see that God's there It's worth asking yourself as a takeaway from this morning, church, like how do I develop eyes to see him leading and intervening? How can I look at my life and see God? I know there's a lot, I have this conversation with a lot of people in my line of work and people are saying, I don't know that I ever hear God. You know what, friends, he's present. And we need like the magi go, whoa, what what is that star? Like this is a God thing. It's worth asking, how do I develop that? And here's a little clue. You got to be quiet and you got to slow down and you got to put down candy crush and you got to ask the Lord if he wants to say anything to you or show you anything. And then you got to open his word because he put stuff in black and white and God begins to reveal himself. That's the beginning of it. We'll do a more work on that as we live our lives together in Jesus. Oh, but do you look at your life? Can you look at your life and see the star? 
Nah, that's weird. Yeah, right? That's the second thing. Why searching gives us eyes to see that God's miraculously at work. And then the third thing is, is that why searching requires an openness to recognize that Jesus is all that we've been looking for. Jesus is everything that we have been looking for. In other words, I just struggled with how to write this. And I'm sorry if that's an awkward phrase, but what I'm trying to say here is in other words, you're going to find him if you search. The scriptures promise it. It's in the devotional that the kids had. And there's a verse that, that if we seek him with all our hearts, that we will find him from Jeremiah 29. Like we're, we're going to find him. And so the question is, what are you going to do when you find him? Why seeking is to say, I better be prepared because if I'm going to look for Jesus in my life, if I'm going to look for God's intervention and leading in my life, then I'm going to find it. And am I ready to go? That's it. That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm going to live for. What are you going to do with the reality? The Magi, can you imagine they were confronted with this unfathomable conclusion? Whoa. Not only is this a king born, the king of the Jews, a fulfillment of all of the whatever lore or magic or rumors that they had heard before. They were like, this is a God thing. And in fact, God is so at work in this glory that they were like, oh boy. I mean, they might've been Zoroastrianists or you know, something like that in a full different Persian religion. And they were like, oh boy, what, what, what does this mean now? because this is not just the king. He may be the king of kings. What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that reality? Because as we search and as, as we see God actively in our story, then we'll come to recognize that this is Jesus who is real and the answer to all of our questions and all of our longings. Church, will you be open to the radical life altering revolutionary concept that you will find everything that you need for life in a relationship with Jesus? Every one of us who has found Jesus knows this part of our story. We could have testimony to this story that we were looking and we were searching and we were searching for, well, we weren't even sure exactly what we were searching for, but then we found Jesus and we realized he was the answer. And so we were searching for direction, but we found Jesus who was the way. We were looking for security and we found Jesus who was the rock. We were looking for love and we found Jesus who unconditionally forgave us of our sin and invited us into a relationship with him. We were looking for healing and we found not only healing for our emotions, but healing for our soul. He was what we were really looking for. That's actually a truth about searching in general that we should know that whatever people are looking for life, they're going to find it in Jesus. St. Augustine, who was a leader of the North African church in the late fourth and fifth century is famous for saying this, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. You're every thing our restlessness is pointing toward. And so you look at the Magi and their response when they recognized, oh, he is it, this baby, Jesus, is at the end of all of our searching. This recognition, he's what they were really looking for and more. 
Look at their reaction, by the way, real quick as I wrap up. First, they were overjoyed. You see that in verse 10, it says, when they finally saw the star again, when it stopped over the house where Jesus was, they were overjoyed. They were so happy because they found him. They were happy because they were realized the glory of everything they had been through and the miracles and the signs and the, and the star. And, and, and now with the glory of what they were witnessing in that moment, they realized this is what we've been looking for even more so. And it's so they were overjoyed, overjoyed. This is one of those places where the English doesn't quite do it. The, the, the Greek sentence has a verb and a noun and an adjective and an adverb all together. Literally, it says this, they rejoiced with great joy in a great way, greatly. Isn't that awesome? They rejoiced with joy in a great way, greatly. One commentary said, Matthew didn't have words to talk about how this this dawning on them that Jesus is the end of everything that they're searching for was so overwhelming that he just piled superlative upon superlative. They rejoice with joy in a great way, greatly. Come on now, who's got a testimony that when you were looking for life and you found Jesus, he brought great joy in a great way, greatly. Come on now. They were overjoyed because he was the end of all their searching. Your Joy, friends, this is your joy for the taking church as you search for him wisely and come to find him. Second, they bowed down and they worshiped him. It says in verse 11 that they came, they saw him and his mother and they bowed down and they worshiped him. They gave him the honor that was due him. And in bowing down, they're submitting themselves to him, hearts and souls and minds and bodies. That's worship given to him. That submission of your life is your calling and your purpose, church. That as you wisely search for him and come to find him, that Jesus would be your all. So they were overjoyed. They worshiped him. They mean they submitted themselves to him. And then last, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts. In verse 11, you see that that's where it brings out the frankincense in the myrrh. They opened their treasures. I love that word. They opened their most valuable things. They opened their most precious commodities and they gave it to him. Come on, does that not preach? Costly, expensive, sacrificial, giving themselves to him. Because he was the king of kings they had been searching for, then no gift was too costly to give to him who is worthy of our all. And so we too give all that we are and all that we have to Jesus. This stewardship, this service to the one true king, that privilege is yours too, church, to live fully for him as you wisely search for him and come to find him overjoyed, worship, giving all that we are to him. Wise searching requires an openness to recognize that Jesus is what we've been looking for. In other words, you will find him. So how are you going to respond to the king? I pray that you will recognize that he is all that you have ever needed and is worthy of our search. And so with that declaration of good news, we light the fourth Advent candle. I hope you have that ready, families. And we've got the Alviso family going to join us to light theirs this morning. Of course, the candles around the Advent wreath 
three weeks already passing, the fourth one about to be lit, anticipating the Christ candle on Christmas Eve. But the wreath represents the light dawning, breaking, coming more and more as we anticipate Jesus. The light of the world coming to us. And so we rejoice greatly with great joy, looking for verbs and adverbs and nouns to articulate what's happening in us as we realize he is what we long for. And once again, before we light, I want you to hear the words from Matthew chapter two. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, wise men, came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. And so then, as we light the Advent candle together, church, we say, come, Lord Jesus, for you are at the end of all of our searching. 